We all need a moment to chill out these days, right? How do you hit the reset button? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. These days, it's all go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. It doesn't matter what team or what sport is playing. Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or any team to drink beer. So flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a Coors Light. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, a perfect moment to chill out. When you need to unwind, make sure your refrigerator is stocked up with Coors Light. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, November 5th. I'm Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined on the line on a fine Thursday to talk recruiting with by Mr. Mike Craven. Mike, say hello to the people. What's going on, everybody? All right, Mike, we're going to talk about quarterbacks today. We actually talked about quarterbacks last week, but that was kind of a breaking news podcast because a big story happened. Quinn Ewers, the Southlake Carroll quarterback from the class of 2022, one of the top recruits, if not the top recruit in the nation. He decommitted from Texas. Um, I believe that was Wednesday night. Um, the Longhorns, though, they weren't wounded for long. They reached out to Westlake quarterback Cade Klubnik, who we've talked about last couple of weeks. Uh, they extended an offer to him this weekend. You talked to him recently for a story that uh, ran on Monday on hook'em.com. What do you know about Cade? I'm sure you're just kind of getting to know him and getting to know his film, but what do Texas fans need to know about Cade? Yeah, I didn't start completely as a sophomore. They had a little rotation going there at Westlake last year when they won the state title. So I uh, can't really call him just a complete state championship quarterback just yet. But going into his uh, you know upperclassman year there as a junior, says he's building a lot of confidence, doesn't have that feeling that he needs to prove himself to his teammates as much as a junior with some skins on the wall. Thinks he's kind of finally taken over that position. And then you just look at the offer sheet. You know, Georgia jumped in there. He's got a, you know, Plenty of really good offers. Texas comes in now, so uh, a fast-rising prospect, uh, probably a future four-star guy, and, uh, you know, just definitely fits the mold of what it seems like Mike Yurchich and this offense wants to do, more of a pocket passer, uh, really accurate, uh, not unathletic or immobile or anything like that, just not something that's really a, a part of his game. So uh, definitely more of, you know, like the pocket passer, accurate, down-the-field type quarterback with a lot of upside who's just now – I'm scratching the surface. When we talk about like a Quinn Ewers, you know, he's started a lot of high school games. He started his whole sophomore year. They went all the way to the state quarterfinals. So he entered this year with like 13, 14 games of starting experience. Not same uh, for Cade Klubnik. So still just kind of figuring out who he is, still getting a bunch of film. Uh, we'll know more. I'm looking forward to that Lake Travis game. Westlake's kind of rolled through their opponents this year. So hasn't really given me a bunch on on like, you know, uh, who they're playing against and stuff like that. They play Aikens this week, so I'm not going to go to that game. So uh, just looking forward to kind of seeing him get going against teams like Lake Travis and then in the playoffs as kind of the man at Westlake and see how he handles that. Yeah, you definitely don't need to go see two Texas commits play Aikens because you got to see Charles Wright face him yeah. and kind of tear them up a couple weeks ago. So we don't need to make that sure. too. Although, shout out to the Eagles. Um, what are Texas's chances of landing Kate? He seemed pretty excited to get this offer. And then, you know, Going off that point, his head coach is a former Texas quarterback and Todd Dodge. Obviously, Sam Ellinger ties to Westlake High School, and he's still, you know, you know they welcome him back with open arms whenever he wants to stop by and chat with the chaps. So 
I'm uh, curious, does Sam and Todd's connections uh, help or hurt at all this recruitment? And what do you think that the chances are of him becoming a Longhorn? Yeah, you know, I definitely don't think they hurt, you know, to have some guys that you respect um, in the football game and just in life. He seems like he was uh, pretty good friends with Sam Ellinger for a long time. He obviously respects his head coach there and Todd Dodge. So I don't think it hurts having those guys in your corner um, when they kind of can tell you what to expect in Texas and kind of sing the praises of what it can be to be an alumni. Uh, but also those are two guys that have been in a lot of stuff, you know, Sam's an adult now who's, you know, kind of developed a little bit more experience. Todd Dodge clearly probably have about a dozen quarterbacks be D1 guys by this point in his career. So I think they have enough, uh, you know, sense to kind of, you know, they're not going to push him towards Texas. You know, they're going to uh, want him to do what's best for him, what suits him the best. He did not grow up a Texas fan like Sam Ellinger, you know, like all the famous photos of Sam throwing up the Longhorns as a kid. That's not true for Cade, so I don't think it'll be one of those slam dunk recruitments for Texas but when you add in the guys that are around him that he you know cares about their opinion and then it's 15 20 miles down the road if everything else kind of stays the same for Texas if Tom Herman's still around Mike Yurchis is still around uh, come this time next year I think Texas has a really good shot now Cade he is kind of a he's a hot commodity right now as you said uh, Georgia's offered him uh, Mac Brown, a name that a lot of people know around here uh, at North Carolina has offered him Auburn. Um, so he's a hot commodity on the recruiting trail. If Texas would, would get a commitment from him, you know, how would that, how much would that kind of calm the commotion around this program and help with that 2022 class? I think it would definitely help uh, from a fan's perspective on the recruiting trail. I don't know if he's the household name that would bring in other recruits like a Quinn Ewers is, and again, that goes back, this is an unfortunate circumstance because of the pandemic. He did not get to go to, you know, the opening and the Under Armour camps and kind of get to play and you know, even seven on seven uh, and get to play and meet and impress all these wide receivers and, and different players around the state where it's like, man, I'm going to go where this cat goes. He didn't get to do any of that. So unless you already had that prestige and that um, – you know, unless everybody already had that opinion of you going into the year, I don't know if you were able to build that over the offseason because you just didn't have the opportunity to camp the way that you normally would. And so I don't know if within the player circle he has as much cachet to be able to do that. Uh, but I think for the fan base, anytime you can add a quarterback, especially a good one like that, it definitely eases tension, right? It definitely gives you at least a, well, you know, we're not sure where it's going right now. Uh, but we got a good quarterback in the fold, and you always have hope in football when you have a good quarterback in the fold. Uh, that commotion I just alluded to last week was a week at Texas. Um, Texas entered the week with three commitments in its 2022 class and exited with one as Quinn Ewers left, and uh, Faison Wilson, the wide receiver from Lancaster, also reopened his commitment. I believe at one point uh, Jalen Gilbo, the cornerback from Port Arthur Memorial, kind of put out a cryptic tweet um, saying he had some stuff to think about, but he is still a Longhorn commit, um, at least on paper. But Texas also beat a top 10 team on the road. So where's Texas kind of at in that 2022 class? I mean, they had a huge win. I'm sure the recruits love to see that, but they lost uh, two guys, and that kind of had to you know, send some shockwaves among that recruiting class. So where is Texas kind of at with that 2022 class? 
Well, I think we need to look at it from this perspective. You know, when Texas was really building that 2022 class, it was August and they felt like they had as much, you know, they had pretty much their 2021 class set, except for a few guys that they're still targeting that they knew weren't going to uh, commit till later. That's Terrence Cooks, LJ Johnson, uh, Bryce Foster, those kind of guys. So they kind of felt like they could start moving towards 2022. They thought they would compete for a Big 12 championship this year, maybe even a college football playoff spot. Sam Ellinger would have a Heisman type year. Everything was going great. You know, new coordinators, everything was going to be good. Um, so I think it gave them the luxury of looking ahead a little bit, at least on the recruiting side. Flash forward to now, you have all the rumors around Tom Herman's job security and what that is and what that is. And that seems to fluctuate based on if he wins or loses that week, whether that's fair or not. And the recruits listen to that. And so I just don't think there's the security around the program to recruit a year and a half out. Um, until Tom Herman is secure in his position to be the head coach for the next couple of years to the point where he can go on the road, or at least right now, go on the phone and kind of put those points in without A&M, Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State even, kind of talking about, hey, you know, I don't know if you want to commit there. He may not even be there by the time you graduate. Until those question marks are gone, uh, I just don't know if it's in the best interest of Texas to really push towards 2022. I'd imagine they kind of um, behind the scenes work on it, but most of the focus goes on to writing the ship on the field and to keeping the 2021 class as complete as you can going into early signing period, not losing guys like a Jatavion Sanders or a Jonathan Brooks. Now, Kate, Klubnik, and Quinn Ewers, uh, I guess whenever you know the rankings start coming in for that 2022 class, they're going to be the number one and number two, or you know, among the top three, four quarterbacks in the state of Texas. Um, but I kind of wanted to take a look at some of the Texas quarterbacks in this 2021 class. Um, you have nine listed in the Fab 55 list, uh, your most recent update. So I just kind of want to get a sc- quick scouting report on the top five on that list. We're going to start with Katie Tompkins, quarterback Jalen Milroe, a former Texas commit. That's why that name sounds familiar. Now he's going to Alabama. Um, number 12 on the Fab 55 list. What else do we need to know about Jalen? I think he's the best quarterback in the state. You know, I I don't know if he's great, great at anything yet. You know, he still needs to get a little bit more accurate and develop as a passer. You know, he's not, you know, an A-plus level runner of the football, uh, but he's a really good dual-threat quarterback with a strong arm, great leadership skills. He's a winner that's helped Katie Tompkins go to the playoffs for the first time um, in their high school history. Um, So just a a really good football player, a really good guy. I think he's a, a big win for Alabama. Um, since Jalen's going to Alabama, I guess this next recruit is his future rival, uh, Demetrius Davis, who is an Auburn commit, number 16 on the Fat 55 list. He is at North Shore. Now, Demetrius, kind of, he started off about as well as you can start off with. He won a state championship as a sophomore. He may have had the biggest highlight of his, career, his entire career, no matter what he does in the future that year, when he threw that Hail Mary to win the state championship on the final final play um, to beat uh, – um, it was Duncanville that he beat – into Quinton Jackson. Um, what do we need to know about Demetrius? Is, does he have more highlights in his future or, you know, what's, what's his deal? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if he was two inches taller, Demetrius Davis would be a five-star and the number one recruit at quarterback in the whole country. I mean, if you were talking intangibles, it just doesn't get much better than that. I mean, to be a two-time defending state championship, at the class six, a division one level, possibly three times by the time he leaves, he was a freshman starter at Galena park North shore. I mean, that's, I don't know if listeners understand how crazy that is, but that's really hard to do. Uh, that's a talented, talented football 
program every single year. He was able to start as a freshman, not only start as a freshman, but Coach John Kay uh, openly talks about he gave him audible ability as a freshman. I mean, that's it's just unheard of. Uh, he's just a football nut. I mean, as high a football IQ as you can get. Um, and that Auburn, Alabama, Jalen Monroe, Demetrius Davis kind of match up. They're both from the Houston area. They're both really familiar with each other. Um, that could be a lot of fun. And it just kind of shows how much the SEC has gotten into Texas. Four out of the five uh, quarterbacks in the top 25 on the Fab 55 are going to SEC schools. And not one of them's a and you know. So um, it's just a remarkable year for quarterbacks in the state. And it's remarkable that they've all ended up pretty much out of state. Uh, up next on our list, we have two Garretts. Uh, we have Garrett Stone, the Parish Episcopal um, quarterback, number 18 on the Fat 55 list. And SMU commits. That's a huge win for the Mustangs to get a four-star uh, player to maybe come in and be Shane Bouchelle's, uh, you know, heir apparent. And then Flower Mound Marcus quarterback, Garrett Nessmeyer, who's going to LSU, number 20 on the Fat 55 list. What can you tell, tell me about the Garretts? Yeah, Garrett Stone, private school uh, quarterback. I, I don't know – or Preston Stone, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if um, we know as much about him as some of the other quarterbacks on this list just because he doesn't play against that same competition. And I know that's not his fault, and that's not, that's not something that's necessarily fair um, to hold against him. Uh, but we just don't see him play like competition. He's the best player on the football field every time he steps on, and it's just hard to judge that guy. So – Keeping him in Dallas, huge, huge thing for SMU. Probably going to be their highest-rated commit um, in a really long time, so that's a big deal to keep a, a in-city kid that's that well thought of in-city. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, Nussmeyer from um, Flower Mound, Marcus, really good player. I mean, he models himself after Joe Burrow going to LSU, so that makes sense. Kind of the perfect stereotypical air raid quarterback. Uh, pure pocket passer, really accurate, loves to push the ball downfield. So I think he's going to look good in that LSU offense. Yes, my apologies to Preston. I had that typed wrong on, on our uh, little uh, Google Doc here. So my apologies. Preston Stone from Paris Episcopal going to SMU, number 18 on the Fab 55. Um, last quarterback we're going to talk about, uh, Sawyer Robertson, a quarterback from Lubbock, Coronado. He is number 25 on the Fab 55 list. Going to Mississippi State. So what do we need to know about Sawyer, and how did he? how is he not a tech commit? Yeah, I mean, I think he's one of those guys who – well, first of all, Texas Tech has a really good commit and, and Bray and Morton. Um, he's a guy who's also on the Fat 55 a little bit further down. So Texas Tech, okay there. Um, but I think this is a guy who would normally be a Red Raider. He's that prototypical type uh, quarterback at, at Texas Tech. Not going to uh, impress you walking off the bus. You know, he's not going to – Texas Tech, Mississippi State, Mike Leach, you know, they never really get that 6'4", 220-pound, you know, pure quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, probably the best-looking athlete. Uh, that's ever really been in those kind of programs. They just go after football players, guys who put up big numbers and can throw the football around. Um, not a huge cannon, you know, of an arm, but insanely accurate, maybe the most accurate quarterback in the state. So I think that leans, uh, lends itself well to a Mike Leach offense where accuracy is probably the most important uh, part of that, as, as well as just understanding where the football needs to go and getting out of your hands fast. Do you think that Texas would, now that the Quinn Ewers thing has kind of thrown things into disarray a little bit, um, do you think they may try to flip? Maybe J Jalen Milrose kind of out of the picture since he, you know, decommitted and decided to go to Alabama. But do you think Texas would try to flip any of these recruits, or are they content with Charles Wright, the three-star from Austin High, as the quarterback in this class, and they're just going to 
start focusing on Cade Klubnik in this 2022 uh, batch of quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know if they're able to to flip a guy like that. I mean, this year's so weird. It's not like you can call up one of these guys and say, hey, you want to come down to the West Virginia game, watch it, come see Sam, you know, come watch the offense, see the atmosphere. I mean, you just it's hard to flip guys right now uh, because you can't get in their ear and build some real momentum in person because you can't go watch them and they can't come and visit you. So I just don't know if they have a shot there with any of those guys, specifically with how the season's going and just the lack of momentum. I think they're okay with Charles Wright being a local commit and somebody they can count on. And then you add in the fact that they got Hudson Card and Jaquindon Jackson in them that are both going to be freshmen next year because of the uh, eligibility rule because of COVID-19. I think they feel like it's a free role in 2021. They'll go into next year, theoretically, with Casey Thompson, Jaquindon Jackson, Hudson Card, Charles Wright. I think they feel good with that when they add somebody in 2022, like a Kate or somebody that is yet to emerge on the radar. So one day, maybe one of these quarterbacks we've talked today, talked about today, ends up in the NFL, ends up becoming a star, and we can say we we saw them back then. We can tell our kids, our grandkids about uh, you know the days we saw Demetrius Davis throw a hail mary. Um, maybe one of these guys will ever become the top Texas quarterback to ever come out of the state. Uh, last month, ESPN. They tried to tackle that topic because Kyler Murray was in town in Dallas on Monday Night Football with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Kyler, because of everything he accomplished, is a you know a trendy, a very popular pick for that title, the best ever Texas quarterback. Um, our Rick, our colleague Rick Cantu was on the ESPN segment about about this topic, and he was there to talk about Baker Mayfield and Garrett Gilbert from Lake Travis, both two very good quarterbacks. I think Garrett had a more accomplished career than uh, Baker did, but. Had you gotten that call from ESPN and the producers wanted to talk to you, who would you have picked as the best ever Texas high school football quarterback um, that you saw or that you'd just give that award to? I mean, for me, for my money, it's got to be Kyler Murray. And, you know, he played at Allen, which is my favorite high school. He went to A&M, Oklahoma. I mean, it, it pains me to say it, but he, I mean, he was, just, he was perfect. And he literally was perfect in high school. He never lost a game as a starting quarterback at Allen. Uh, won three titles in 6A Division One, which is the biggest, you know, you can get in Texas football. Went and won a Heisman in college, is seemingly on his way to being a really good all-pro type level quarterback in the NFL. Uh, the fact that he's done it with his height and just kind of eliminating some of those stereotypes and prejudices that go against the quarterbacks that aren't 6'3 and sit in the pocket, that kind of stuff, you know, like your typical Peyton Manning, you know, that kind of guy. Uh, I just I think he's broken the mold. He's done everything him and his father have said he was going to do. He's been fantastic at every level despite all the expectations. And, oh, yeah, he was a top ten pick in the Major League Baseball draft. Not a first-round draft pick, a top ten pick in the first round. Um, so you had so many people on social media saying, oh, he's never going to make it in the NFL. Why isn't he going to go play baseball? He continues to bet on himself. He continues to win that bet. I just I have a hard time listening to any other argument other than Kyler Murray, unless you just never really got to see Kyler Murray's career that much at Allen because of where he played. I kind of fall into that camp. Um, obviously, you know, you'd see Kyler on TV every December whenever that state championship game rolled around and they were on Fox Sports South, Southwest. But um, in person, my first year at the Statesman was Garrett's sec, his junior year at Lake Travis. So that was kind of my introduction to Texas high school football. And I think because of what – Garrett's 
failings, if you want to call them failings at Texas, people just kind of forget how good of a quarterback he was in high school and just how this kind of the era that he ushered in um, and just kind of, I don't want to say he revolutionized Texas high school football, but you know, he was one of a kind when he was, when he was a junior and a senior at like Travis and that offense with uh, Jeff Dykus and then Chad Morris and just what they're able to do. And he was, his, his accomplishments at like Travis have kind of been overlooked, I think a little bit, but he was incredible those two years. And, um, you know, he may be starting for the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. So, um, you know, he still has made a nice career out of his, uh, post time in Texas. And he was, he was just great at like Travis and, um, they haven't forgot about him, the Cavaliers. And I don't think people should either. I mean, he's number two on my list. Um, he was, he was a freak show. I was a sports editor in Hutto when he was a junior and senior, senior, uh, the hippos were in that district. Um, and I mean, he was just, he was freakish. I mean, he put balls in spots that you didn't think were possible. He had an unbelievable touch. And I know, like I said, he didn't do that great at Texas following, you know, Vince Young, then Colt McCoy. It was kind of a tough act to follow there. Um, but the fact that he's still in the NFL and possibly starting this year, I mean, I think it says everything you need to know. I mean, he's, he's just a really good football player. Um, when we look at the past, let's say, 10 years, um, since we've both been kind of around this and you've been on this recruiting beat for a while now, who was kind of the greatest quarterback you saw um, that wasn't – a Garrett Gilbert, a Kyler Murray, um, you know, that kid who was really, really good, but he was just a good high school quarterback, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's still, you can probably go to, you know, any watering hole around a, a, a high school and they'll talk about, you know, some court guy who quarterback back in the seventies, who they swear was better, you know, better than half the guys who made it to the NFL, but who was like the, you know, one guy who, you know, maybe didn't sign with a big college or didn't make it big, who you just loved watching and you just thought, that that was a great high school quarterback. Now, the answer may end up being Lane Passes' as quarterback well, by the time it's all said and done if he only plays baseball at Texas. But I'm, I'm going to go with the homer pick, and I'm going with Brian Hogan at Cedar Park. Um, you know, he – as a freshman – spring of his freshman year, he kind of took over the, te- the Cedar Park uh, quarterback job, and that was with Espinosa on the line, Spencer Drago on the line. He looked like a child playing with adults because of how big that offensive line was. And he uh, took Cedar Park to places that, you know, it had never been before. If Lake Travis wasn't in that same uh, region, they'd probably win a state title or two. Uh, just a really good football player that absolutely outperformed uh, his physical gifts and was just a, just a tough, hard-nosed dude. Um, my pick, going back to when I first started the Statesman, was Nick McKissick, who was the quarterback at Stony Point. His senior year was the 2008 season. Um, he was really good at uh, his junior year. Um, I will insist that Stony Point should have won state in 2008 had they not completely fallen all over themselves in the state semifinals against Allen. Stony Point lost that game. Allen did not win it. Um, but he was just a very good quarterback. Didn't make many mistakes, could run, could pass. Just very good. You know, didn't do much um, after after high school. The last I checked on him, he was in law school, so I think he's doing fine. Um, he doesn't need uh, my, my football praises, so – Nick was my choice, and also since my wife um, teaches at McCallum High School, they had a quarterback a few years ago, Sabian Cannon, who you know really could not throw the ball, but he was quick as heck and was a great runner. And um, 2013, it was they beat Leander in the Biden District playoffs, and an Austin ISD team beating a school like Leander that had two D1 kids on its defense and opened the season as um, 
a pick by some to win a state championship. That was an incredible win. Even though the Knights went to the state semifinals a few years ago, I think that 2013 playoff win was maybe the biggest win in their school's history. And uh, Sabian ran for like 350 that night and was through a couple touchdown passes and was just incredible. So that was probably the best performance I've seen by a quarterback who, you know, may not be known um, across the state, but that was a, you know, Nick and Sabian are my, are my two picks for this uh, question. And um, of the quarterbacks who have signed with Texas over the past decade or so, who was the best to watch in high school? Who did, um, who was the guy that you thought, was a can't miss prospect of the, you know, the Gerard Hurds, the Sam Ellingerds, Hudson Cards, Jaquinn Jackson, just that group over the past 10 years um, of Longhorn recruits at the position. I mean, for me personally, it's Jaquinn Jackson. And I, I don't know if he's the one that emerges out of the Hudson Card, Jaquinn Jackson uh, battle that's brewing there behind Sam Ellinger and Casey Thompson. But just in terms of enjoying watching him play, you know, Jaquinta Jackson was the best football player on every single field I ever watched him play on, and that's including that Hail Mary game um, when he was a, a junior against um, Galena Park North Shore where Duncanville came up short. He single-handedly kept Duncanville in that game against a North Shore team that may have been the best in Texas in the last 10 years. So the fact – the way he plays is just uh, uh, fun to watch for me. He's, just, he's an incredible leader. Uh, he's a tough-nosed runner. He's explosive. He can throw the football. Now, I'm I'm from that generation that likes the dual threat kind of option read quarterback. This is kind of what I grew up watching. Um, so I, I just I really enjoyed not only him on the football field, but him as a leader. You know, even if you watch the Texas games now, when the camera goes to the sideline and something's going on over there, like when Keontae Ingram fumbled that ball late against TCU, the guy on the sideline talking him up and consoling him and kind of being a good teammate teammate on the field directly after is Jaquinton Jackson, a true freshman that doesn't even play. So I think it just speaks to his personality and how big it is. He's going to do something really big in sports and probably in life. I hope he goes into coaching because he'd be a fantastic coach. Uh, my pick would probably be Gerard. Um, I didn't get to see him much in high school, but, you know, kind of as was the case with Kyler, the state championships come around his uh, junior and senior year. And obviously he's on the TV. Um, I was there in 2012 when he played. It was a pretty good um, – Georgetown team with a pretty good quarterback of their own with Jake Kubinek, who ended up playing a little bit at Texas A&M, and Gerard was just incredible. Uh, that Georgetown defense had been kind of running over people the entire season, and he had no problem. I think he had seven touchdowns total passing and rushing that evening um, or that afternoon, and then the uh, next year, it was kind of the same deal. He came against a San Antonio Brennan team that had a bunch of D1 uh, talent. They'd been shutting everyone out. Sabian Cannon, who I just mentioned, uh, played Brennan in the second round, and it was like a 55 to nothing shutout. And uh, Gerard just torched them in the state championship game. So Gerard was like a video game. Didn't work out at Texas for whatever reason, but I think he has still endeared himself to Texas fans when he switched to receiver. It was productive while not complaining at all about that switch and being a team player. So um, I think Texas fans, even though it didn't work out at quarterback, still, still love that guy. And uh, his sister plays basketball at TCU, so – the uh, uh, Texas is not done with the Herd family yet because uh, they'll have to play um, the the Longhorns will have to play the Horn Frogs a couple times this winter. So Gerard's my pick. I'm sure he, he was just as impressive to you when when you saw him um, during his uh, time in time in Denton. Yeah, just I mean an incredible athlete. You knew he was going to be able to make an impact somewhere on the field. I mean, I still think he has like the most yards accounted for by a quarterback in a single game at Texas or something like that. So not a complete bust. I just don't know. 
uh, the way when he came in just kind of didn't work out with just kind of some coaching changes and instability and stuff like that, but a fantastic high school football player. Okay, before we get out of here, we're going to make our weekly stop at Craven's Corner, talk a little gambling. The line people care about if they're listening to this podcast is Texas and West Virginia. Last I checked was Longhorns by six and a half. Uh, the game is obviously in Austin. Mike, you like this line? West Virginia is coming off a huge win this past weekend where they were pretty, you know, it, it was an upset. Yeah, you know, I, they crushed Kansas State. <laughs> Absolutely crushed them. So, I, you know, watching that Texas-Oklahoma State now a couple of times, uh, that game a couple of times now, you know, that was the best performance from UT in a little while. You know, especially defense. Uh, Joseph Asai was an absolute monster. You know, I think everybody's kind of talked to that, talked that to the death. Uh, but Oklahoma State's not this world beater of a football team. It's not like Texas went in and just beat Clemson or Ohio State or even one of those good Oklahoma teams of the last couple of years or whatever. Oklahoma State's uh, wildly beatable. And so I just don't know if Texas is seven points better than West Virginia. And you need seven points to get that over that six-and-a-half-point line. I would lean more towards buying a half point and taking West Virginia plus seven uh, just to get a tie there if Texas does in, end up winning by a touchdown. I think the Longhorns should win. They're at home. They have momentum. Uh, Sam Ellinger, senior quarterback, going to be the best offensive player in the game. Joseph Asai, defensive end, probably going to be the best defensive player in the game. So talent-wise and, you know, being at home, I think they should win. I just don't know if I trust this team to beat a, a good West Virginia squad uh, by seven, eight, nine, ten points. I just don't know if you can bet on that right now with the current state of the Longhorns. It seems like this team kind of plays to whatever they're playing against. I just don't know if they're going to come out and just, you know, wax a West Virginia team. It's pretty, pretty strong, scra- uh, scrappy team, specifically on defense. Yeah, this will probably be a three-point game that's decided in a seventh overtime because that's just what Texas does apparently this season. Um, are there any other NCAA NFL bets that you were looking forward to this week? You, you, Craven's Corner had a pretty good week last week. Yeah, finally uh, got over 500 on the week for the first time um, in, a, in a month. Luckily, we had a really good September, so we're still over 500 overall. I think we're three games above uh, 500 going into this week. I like AM minus 10 over South Carolina. You know, they beat Arkansas by 11 last week. I think Arkansas's as good, if not better, than South Carolina. So I like AM in that game. Kellen Mond's playing the best uh, football of his career. I mean, he's playing some really, really good football that's kind of going unnoticed by everybody outside of College Station. So I, I like that game a lot. I like AM uh, minus 10 against South Carolina. And then Buffalo plus three over uh, the Seattle Seahawks in the NFL. That's a long trip from Seattle to Buffalo. I know there won't be really any fans in the stands, but it's just a, it's a long way to go on a plane and then play a football game and probably cold and miserable weather. So. I'm going to take Buffalo to uh, to beat Seattle there. You can read Craven's Corner in Thursday's newspaper. It'll be online on Wednesday throughout the week on hook'em.com. Mike has his dotted line column. On Monday, he had the Kate Klubnik uh, story that a lot of people have been reading. Um, uh, Wednesday, he had a kind of a rundown of um, the Fat 55 members who are uncommitted. I believe there are seven of them. Just kind of an update on what's going on with their recruitment and how Texas uh, stands with, I believe, five of them um, are Texas is kind of eyeing and would love to get in their class of 2021. What else are you working on, Mike, and where are you going this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go see uh, Ishmael Ibrahim um, up in Dallas Kimball, uh, provided that COVID didn't get in the way, and then DeSoto, Cedar Hill on Friday. Huge game there. Just, I mean, always a lot of talent between those two schools, uh, specifically Shamar Turner, the defensive lineman that Texas, Texas A&M are still after. 
And then tomorrow, looking at uh, a few commitments that Texas just simply cannot lose in the 2021 class. Uh, Jatavion Sanders, five-star athlete. J- Jonathan Brooks, three-star running back, is really upping his stock. So just a couple of guys that, that Texas has to figure out how to keep in this recruiting class to avoid what would be the most disappointing recruiting class uh, Texas has had in recent memory that didn't involve a coaching change year in terms of like the same coach starting the year and then signing a recruiting class. Texas hadn't finished out top 15 this century without, you know, it coming after Mac left or after Charlie, Charlie strong left. So uh, uncharted territory for Texas, not recruiting that well. And they just need to figure out a way to, to stop having guys jump ship as much as they need to figure out how to get guys on board. That's going to do it for us. Uh, we had a long podcast today, so we appreciate you all sticking sticking with us and listening along. Uh, don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We do appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in each week. We'll, we will be back next Thursday to talk more recruiting. Uh, for Mike Craven, I'm Danny Davis. We will see you later. Bye. Peace.